Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. episode of the Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who uh, needs to make sure he doesn't sit on the dirt. Welcome, Jacob. <laughs> Good one. Why, thank you. Let me do sir, introduce our co-host, a man who just enjoys a glass of nitro every once in a while. Welcome, Drew. <laughs> Excuse me. Spicy. <laughs> How are you doing today, Jacob? Apparently laughing my head off for the silliest things, <laughs> but doing pretty well. How are you? Uh, fair to meddling, I'd say. I've never under, I've, I understand what that phrase means. Sometimes I've never, like for the longest, I never understood okay. what it meant. Fa- uh, it's actually a cotton term. Yeah. Meddling is kind of a uh, a grade of cotton. Fair yeah. is, a, is a grade of cotton. Yes. This is. I'm somewhere between fair and middling. Oh, okay. I don't know exactly where that sits on the scale of cotton terminology, but right, I have no idea how far away I am from a completely horrible and should not be processed into cotton and into t-shirts or the greatest cotton that ever existed. I have no idea where it sits on that scale. Yes. My my initial thought of halfway to halfway to middle mid, midland. Well, you're thinking halfway to midland. Yeah, midland, like midland, Texas, as in over by Odessa. Which, if I'm yes. that far away, this is a long commute. <laughs> I'm uh, halfway there. Yes. So either way, of me not understanding uh, local East Texas terminology. Yes. <laughs> or really, southern terminology. Yeah, it's very, it's very southern terminology. Either way. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I already answered that yes, question. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Uh, but I'm doing all right. It's all right. been a relatively good week. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what have you been watching? I watched over the week, uh, last week, I watched Iron Man 2. Because it's a movie I haven't watched in a long time. And I remember having fond memories of the film. And it was like, oh, okay. This was a good film. Still good. Still enjoyable. Uh, and then I watched one of my all-time favorites because I realized I have two copies of this film called Top Gun. <laughs> ah. Ever since Top Gun Maverick is coming, hopefully, hopefully and prayerfully, it's coming out <laughs> this year. There's a good chance. There's a good chance. Uh, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later in the news because something else got pulled. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get that. We'll get there when we get there. But either way, I, w- I recently watched Top Gun again. Uh, I think it's like the hundredth and some time I watched the film. But I just have an enjoyment for the film. Um, if you want to hear our be like Mine and Drew's uh, comment commentary on it, not commentary, but our uh, review on review it, go, of it. review of it, brother. Yeah, exactly. Uh, go check out the movie of the week podcast and go uh, subscribe there and listen to our uh, our uh, mm, our review of that film. 
Either way, that's all I've been watching and listening to podcasts and all kinds of stuff. But other than that, that's it. Okay. What have you been watching? Well, we were, I, I have been, I gave a try to something called the Looney Tunes show. Yeah. Which I think I talked about this maybe a little bit last week. Yes. But, uh, I've watched some more of that. I've, uh, we, well, we watched. That we did. Uh, Mystery, Mystery Men. Mystery Men last yes. Sunday. Uh, when we were visiting our friend Chase. And then I, uh. Finally beat Yakuza Zero. Yeah, and that was an interesting way that story ended. It's a, if you're interested in it, it's bear in mind it's definitely a, a game for if you're a kid, don't play it. But <laughs> I, I enjoyed the game. It had a good story. I kind of saw the ending coming by the end of chapter fifteen, and there's only seventeen chapters. But, you know, it was still good. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of things that... Um, there was one character I assumed was going to be the final boss. Yeah. And because technically, apparently, that character has to show up in a later game, we couldn't kill him. Oh, okay. So, we didn't even get to fight him because of reasons. Uh, so, that was a little disappointing. Okay. But I noted over the weekend that Microsoft Flight Simulator had been released on the yeah. Xbox. And if, for those of you who don't know why that's an interesting deal, they actually, in that game, you can actually fly over the entire Earth. Really? Yes. It uses uh, Bing Maps, because, you know, it's Microsoft. Yeah. So it uses Bing Maps as kind of its uh, main graphics layer. Mm -hmm. And then an AI kind of goes over and places buildings what thinks are the correct type of buildings in where they go on there. Yeah. So I took off from Pounds Field. Okay. <laughs> I got that close. I actually found the uh, airstrip that uh, is over there off of uh, off 69. Yeah. There in uh, Mount Selman. Yeah. I found that that's on there. I Strangely enough, I didn't expect to find it. Really? It's mostly just, you could tell where the lawn was mowed. Yeah. Went three or four years ago when they took the, when the Bing satellite last went over the area, but <laughs> they were so they're they're working on that area they, now. Yeah, they're cleaning that up. Yeah, but I found that. But I I flew over Jacksonville. Okay. I found our apartment. Okay. According to our our apartment complex, according to Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, this building and. Every building in our uh, apartment complex is a warehouse. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yes. And so is the jalapeno tree next door. It's except, jalapeno. It, except that that warehouse has a red roof. <laughs> so I continued flying down 79. And I found the church. Okay. According to Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, our church is only one story. Okay. And has a flat roof. Well, part of it has a flat roof. <laughs> Not the part where I'm talking about. Okay. I'm saying you couldn't you couldn't even see the steeple for crying out loud. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it did map the student building and the gym. They used metal buildings for that, so technically they got that part right. 
okay, that's interesting. And then just for fun, I thought I, I was I was just trying out different places, you know. And I ended up going down on on the thing, flying out of Galveston Island, mm-hmm. air, uh, whatever the name of that airport is, and just flew north. And and, and somewhere along that way, I thought. Hey, I sh- I shouldn't be the plane shouldn't be that far from the San Jacinto Monument and the battleship Texas. I want to see how they handled that in this game. So I slowly maneuvered my way over there because I was in a like a Cessna. Okay. You know, slow flying plane, and the yeah. thing and the game works in like real time. Yeah. So I work my way over there, and I see the San Jacinto Monument, and it's rendered, and you can tell they went and actually rendered the whole thing exactly the way it's supposed to be you can even see the star on top of it it's not just some cheat model it's an actual model of the monument yeah and so after i saw that i thought okay that's cool i kind of flew around the other direction saying okay the battleship texas ought to be just right over here there it is why are there trees growing out of it I know the Battleship Texas needs some serious repair work, but I don't think there's 20-year-old trees growing out of it. Microsoft, you might want to take a look at that one. Right. (laughs) Because the thing is, you can actually see the guns. They modeled the guns and everything that's on the outside of it. Right. But then in the center of it, two big giant trees. It's like, done think you goofed. Did you take a screen capture of this? No, or but I'll show it to you after the thing. Wow. If you want. I know how to get there. Okay. I think I can launch you launch fairly close to it now. All right. Instead of having to go out, out of another airport. But anyway, mm-hmm. I was doing that and I thought this is you're so close, Microsoft. And, and the thing is you get right down to and you can tell Bing Maps has not done a high resolution capture photo yeah. of this area mm-hmm. because uh well you can see the pixels on the ground mm. and uh since it was at night you know the street lights were mm-hmm. on and it had followed the street lights fairly you know it, it followed the road but then i got to looking at it and i realized there's not street lights where they're showing street lights so i flew a little closer and I realized that every single set of streetlights were these glowing orbs. Okay. Just floating in midair. It's like, you know, on the picture, I can see the uh, actual uh, light post. You could at least put it over there, <laughs> over here by the church. <laughs> You could at least do that, but no, you didn't do that. I don't know. It was, it was just funny to watch, mm. to look at, and yeah, it's it's, it's 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 interesting. I mean, the crashing is well, there is no crashing. Literally, mm. if unless you have the crashing turned on, which that just makes it go to a black screen when you run into something, mm-hmm. the plane bounces off the ground. Mm. Okay, you can see the propeller turning. Wow, through the ground. I mean, it's not meant to be that close, admittedly. It's meant to look amazing at 50,000 feet or however much uh, above the ground. And I will admit, it looks beautiful. Even for this area. And you can't hardly see Love's Lookout. Because it just kind of, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't look as hilly as I think it should. Okay. 
mean, hey. It was so cool. All right. So, yeah. So, you had an interesting day flying simulation-wise. <laughs> I'm sure our pastor would not be impressed by my methods. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Especially since I had all the assists on, so anytime my, my engine should have stalled, the AI took over and corrected it. <laughs> Because I'm more worried about, let's see how close I can get. Let's see, if I can let's see if I can find where I work. Let's see if I can find Walmart. Let's see if I can friend find our friend Chase's house. Actually, I never found his house. Mm. Too many trees. Wow. <laughs> In that area. And I got turned around and I was, I didn't have the, it was, it was I was got to Jacksonville late at night. I couldn't hardly make out streets. Mm. Okay. I found the high school. Cool. But anyway. Yeah, that's what I've been watching. I'm All playing. Right. All right, good deal. Uh, what do we got in the news? Quite a bit, actually. I, I did mention this earlier. Uh, so it looks like another movie is being pulled from theaters. I saw that. Yes. So apparently, uh, MGM's... Which is ironic, because I saw the posters for this the last three weekends I was at the movie theater. Yeah. So to get to the... Uh, the, the heart of the matter. Uh, Hotel Transylvania 4 uh, Transformania is being pulled from uh, cinema screens all over. And after Sony and Amazon are very close to inking a $100 million global streaming deal uh, for the movie to be streamed on uh, Amazon Prime. I'm going to say boo. Yes, agreed. Completely agree. So if this if this deal does get uh, go through, which most likely it's going to, uh, the movie again will no longer be in theaters and it will go directly to Amazon Prime Video mm -hmm. on October first. So if you still want to watch a spooky movie in October, uh, you'll still have Adam Family Two coming out in MGM unless that gets pulled too. We don't know yet. Well, except that one's not being pushed by sony i don't think like this is because this is the second sony yes. movie that has been uh, in the past year that has yeah. been animated wise that's been pulled out of theaters and put on a streaming service yes agreed yeah because they they were claiming that uh due to uh they uh they are claiming they're pulling from theaters uh due to the up uptick in the covid 19 surges and theaters in major cities like New York and other major cities are mandating masks. And that ever since the COVID-19 is not, uh, not proper or not been, uh, validated for children under the age of 12, uh, they are, uh, they are deciding not to put to uh, skip theaters. Disappointing. Every, yeah, it is disappointing. All right, so in our next bit of news, uh, Disney Plus debuted the trailer and announced the Japanese and English dub uh, voices and for Star Wars Visions. Yes, uh, Star Wars anime. Yes. Why is it taking this long? It looks freaking amazing. Yeah. Just freaking amazing. And um, you can definitely tell one of them Studio Trigger. Yeah, two of them actually are. But I, you can definitely tell one is Studio Trigger. Yes. Because it looks like they got the guy who did Promare. Yes, agreed. To animate it. I completely agreed. Uh, so I swear one of those Jedi was uh, the guy with the green hair from Promare. <laughs> I swear. 
All right. So the trailer is currently out on YouTube and all the other social media stuff. Uh, and go- you can find the English dub one on our Facebook page. Yes. And uh, it will launch on Disney Plus starting September 22nd. All right. So going into movie uh, video releases, our DVD Blu-ray releases. <laughs> um, home so, video. Home video. Home video section. There we go. All right. So. Uh, Space Jam, the new legacy arrives, uh, for premier digital ownership, uh, at $29.99. And also I've never heard of this before. Uh, 24 hour P V O D rental for 24, 24 99. I think that's uh, technically pay-per-view. Okay. That makes sense. Pay-per-view, uh, it's uh, paid video on demand. Yes. Uh, at home starting September, September 3rd. Uh, the film will be released on on 4K Ultra HD combo pack and a Blu-ray DVD pack uh, starting October 4th, October 5th, 2021. So if you're interested in that, you can go pick it up. Very fast turnaround. Time yes. On that. Yeah. Think about think about uh, the early 2000s, early 1990s when Jurassic Park came out. It took a year and a half for it to come out of VHS. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Just think about that. Like you go from well, I mean, a year by- and a half to, or the entire time COVID COVID-19 has been ravaging, ravaging our planet to now it's just taking a month for um, a movie that was in theaters. Now is in, now is in your, by, your hand. By technic, technic, technically there doesn't actually need to be a way other than letting theaters have first go at it. Very true. From a technical point of view. Yes. All right, so going into other releases that are coming out, uh, Batman the Long the uh, the Long Halloween, uh, which is based off the the same uh, DC comic uh, graphic novel, mm-hmm. which I've never read, but it seems interesting. Uh, the second, let's see, uh, the second uh, the second part of this uh, two part film, uh, which will be released uh, August tenth. Uh, it's rated R. Uh, it's called Part Two, obviously, and uh, I'm hoping for a bundle pack at some point where I can just buy all of it and watch it because it sounds like an interesting uh, my movie. Under- rooms. My understanding is they did change some of it up from the comic, but I've yes. not experienced either one to be able to say one way or the other. I got gotcha. you. All right, so my final bit of uh, home release: uh, the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water has been released. Will be released. Uh, August 14th, 2021. And on Paramount plus, right? No, actually home on video release. Oh, I thought it was a Paramount plus exclusive for a while. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Yeah, that we all are. All right. So it has been released, uh, as of the day of recording, which is August 17th. So if you are a SpongeBob fan, go check it out or go pick it up or buy it on demand. All right. Go get it. Yeah, go get it. So I found two little bits of anim- animation news regarding a uh, very classic animated TV, uh, TV animated shows. They came out in the two thousands. All right. So Netflix has announced that they are doing an avatar. The last airbender live action TV series. Eh. Yeah. Well, they, they just recently announced like who the cast is, who the director is or producers, what have yeah. you. And uh, so, yeah, 
And then the next one got me, and I just I had to talk about this one. Powerpuff Girls. Ah, yes. She got kicked off again. That she she actually left the show, the one that was going to play Blossom. Mm-hmm. I really hope that dies a horrible death. Because <laughs> I just hate the concept. Okay. I'm sorry, I don't need Powerpuff Girls to be a teenagers who hate the world now because they're teenagers. That is true. That is true. So apparently uh, the CW, the CW Network... Especially since these teenagers are going to be played by 20-somethings. Agreed. If and, not 30-somethings. And plus it's the CW and they it's all drama llama with them. Let Powerpuff Girls just be a fun show. Agreed. That's all I ask. Yeah. So, yes, apparently they they were trying for a pilot, and according to the chairman and CEO of the CW Network, that it was a miss. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to, the network was opting to shoot a new test for the concept, and apparently the actress who was going to play Blossom. Who used to play Quake on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, Chloe Bennett. Yes. Yeah, apparently she has left the, left the project. But apparently there's quite a few of the, the cast are still remain and it is quote it is being dubbed Powerpuff. So I'm like there again, I didn't grow up watching Powerpuff Girls, nor did I uh I have watched a little bit of Avatar The Last Airbender, but it's like, okay, that's interesting, but at the same time, how bad are you gonna butcher it? <laughs> that's the thing. I don't know. I just I just know I have not been happy with their attempts to modernize Powerpuff Girls in the past. 15 years mm. it has i haven't enjoyed it since really the original show mm. so because the original show actually had a lot of good writing involved with it right and everything else just like let's just try to make this this let's make it adventure time all right kind of and then you get this where they're gonna try and do this more adult version where they're disaffected teens and mad at the world because i actually read up on this mm. when i saw it's like this does not need to be what Powerpuff Girls is about, in my yeah. opinion. But, you know what? Whatever. All right. So that is all I have for in the news. All right. Then we need to jump into our spoiler-free section yes. of our review of Atlantis, yeah. The Lost Empire. Yes. I had seen this... No, no. I hadn't seen all of this. The I think I might have been in the room... Okay. But quit paying attention about five minutes into the movie and the last time I would have quote unquote seen it. Mm -hmm. So I actually did not remember anything but like the first couple minutes of this movie before I started it. Okay. I was very impressed with what they were able to do with this. I mean, I think to some degree when it would have when I watched it before, I would have been kind of in that outside Disney phase. Where, you know, because Disney was, had not been, had only a couple of good films. Yeah. And I didn't know well enough about what was coming out to know what were the good films. I hadn't actually seen Emperor's New Groove or Lilo and Stitch before this point mm -hmm. when I would have seen this. So I didn't know that there actually was some good stuff. I just knew Pocahontas had come out and everything kind of gone poo-poo after that. Yeah. Or just not, just not stuff I was interested in. And I didn't get re-interested in it uh, till like... To, um, after Home on the Range. Which I hear is a real, not a really good film. Well, that was the last of the quote-unquote bad movies I remember hearing about. Mm -hmm. 
And then there was like this weird time. And I think eventually I heard about Tangled. Mm -hmm. And I think I may have seen it on Netflix. Like the first time, like, like back in 2008. Well, it would I may have my timetable wrong. Tangle came out in 2010. So I have my timetable wrong. Yes. I'll admit this. It happens. So maybe I saw it in 2011 because it was on the stars thing that Netflix was doing at the time. Okay. Gotcha. They had a deal to put out any of the stars movies that were, the stars had the rights to put on TV. They were streaming them. So that's how I watched it the first time on Tangled. But, uh, yeah, this is in that period where it's just like, I, well, I mean, I think I saw Meet the Robinsons and I saw Bolt and what, for whatever reason, those didn't really jump out at me mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is just not when the, when it came out, I was just not interested yeah. in Disney, maybe interested in Pixar, but that's different. Uh, but I watched it this time and, and I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, there, I do have, of course, some issues with length mm-hmm. as in it's not long enough. Uh, and the, there's a bit of a rushing issue, but for the most part, if you're interested in, in, if you have any interest in the movie, definitely go give it a watch. It's yeah. a very good, very action packed movie. I mean. This was like, I think what I read was this was the first PG movie since Black Cauldron came out. Or was it PG-13? Either it was the first time they tried to make a more yeah. action-adventure mo- uh, type movie. Yeah. Because there's no music in this whatsoever. And a song. No, no, no. It wasn't a musical. Yeah. And it's the first time that I think they even tried to tell a serious story without trying to lessen the the impact for the little kitties mm-hmm. i mean you know lion king is hamlet and people die lions die in that yeah this is that that i'm not, I'm not discounting that in any way shape or form mm-hmm. but i'm saying this is this was it's a very good story i mean, i have like i said i have some issues i'll get to those but yeah if you're interested if you have any interest in this movie go watch it all right so, question: Where did you watch the film? I watched it on Disney Plus. Excellent. Why? Just curious. I thought you were about to tell me. Well, after a certain release, all Disney's versions of this movie had deleted some some scene halfway through that actually f- fixed your pacing problem or something like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought I thought it would be good for our audience to know where we watched okay. it for a review. Fair enough. All right, so but yeah, I watched it on Disney Plus, but I think I've got the Blu-ray around here somewhere. Really? Well, I think I got it through Disney Movie Club. Oh, okay. It's just I can't find it. Okay. So for those of you think wondering why I, ch- I I did do this for the Retro Rewind Backlog Golf, despite the fact I streamed it, that's why I've got it somewhere. <laughs> Alrighty. All right, so. Uh, I, I first watched this movie on a mission trip to when I was still a youth, uh, back to... in hmm? mission trip to, Oh, where, Oh, you're talking, uh, I, I had it in my head and it just went blank. Uh, well, then it shouldn't be Mexico because I hate to think you'd forget Mexico. <laughs> no, I was actually in Lubbock. Lubbock. Okay. Yeah. We, we were in Lubbock, Texas. And, uh, 
someone had brought it or they had it at this church and uh, I'm watching it. And uh, mind you, a, a girl I really had a huge crush on uh, was there with her boyfriend and they both really enjoyed it. So I instantly didn't like it. <laughs> so there you go. That's what it is for my, you know, early, like 20 something, early 20 something mind mindset. Yeah. So you were a real drama on back then. Apparently <laughs> that I, yeah, I can. Yeah. Let's not go there <laughs> either way. Uh, so I did wind up watching it much later on uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I kind of like, man, I was being really immature. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I watched this later on and I thoroughly enjoyed it and watching it this time. I watched it on the uh, Blu-ray, uh, Blu-ray, which was a Blu-ray DVD, DVD, uh, DVD that I recently purchased. And, um, dubbed, dubbed. Yeah. <laughs> so I enjoyed this movie tremendously. It's, it's, it's definitely a, it's a PG film for very good reasons because it does deal with a lot of really deep issues. It deals with a lot of things that are, it's like you're, you're dealing with like, you know, fictitious, possibly fictitious uh, civilizations that completely wiped off the map and then somehow are, you know, in the, the bottom of the ocean. Uh, it's got it's got really good stories, really great characters. I enjoyed the mess out of this film and would have recommend it. Yes. Family friendly. Yes. Um, yeah. Alrighty. Well, that brings us to the bumpers. Mm -hmm. So join us on the other side of those and we will get to spoiling this thing. Alrighty. Don't forget that you can download... Download? Don't forget that you can't... Don't forget that you can listen to us record the podcast live every Tuesday over on our Facebook page, The Cellcast our uh, Twitch channel, the Cellcast Gaming, and on YouTube at Cellcast. Also, don't forget to join our Patreon if you would like to support us monetarily. At $1, you'll get our everlasting thanks. At, at our $5 tier, you can get some artwork from Jacob. And at our $10 tier, you can get bloopers for every, for, for every episode we've released that I've remembered to release them for. And you can get commentaries from different movies. So come check us out over there if you would like to support us financially. Do you like trivia shows but wish you could stay a little longer with the contestants? Do you wish that if those contestants didn't know the answer from memory, they could Google the answers? Do you love finding out how many of certain objects fit between the Earth and the Moon? And do you want a game show that is completely unfair? Then might I suggest The Raw Quiz Show, where Ryan Ashley Wall pits and competes against five different combatants each season to see who is the true trivia champion. And you can find it over at Pop Americana, which the podcast you're listening to is also a part of. Go to the link in the description to find out more. The following is a spoiler-filled review of the movie Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Listener discretion is advised. Atlantis, The Lost Empire was written and directed by Gary Trudale and Kirk Wise, who directed both Beauty and the Beast and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
It was also written by Tab Murphy, Joss Whedon, mm. Bryce Zabel, Jackie Zabel, and David Reynolds. Jumping into the cast, we got Michael J. Fox as Milo, who is most well-known for playing Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Indeed. Corey Burton was the voice of Moliere. You know, the Mole Man. Yes, that was Corey Burton. Yeah, and in Star Wars The Clone Wars, Mm -hmm. he is the voice of both Count Dooku and Cad Bane. Really? Yeah, Moliere is Count Dooku. Wow, okay, interesting. Uh, Claudia Christian played Helga, and in the TV show Babylon 5, she played a character named Susan Ivanova. James Garner was the voice of Rourke, and he is most well known for playing Jim Rockford in The Rockford Files. Hmm. John Mahoney played Preston Whitmore, and he played Martin Crane in Frasier. Phil Morris was the voice of Dr. Sweet. And uh, the only thing I really found of interest for him was he was trainee Forrester on Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Okay. And speaking of Spock, Leonard Nimoy played <laughs> yes. the Atlantean King. And of course, he was known, best known for playing science officer Spock on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Don Novello played Vinny. And uh, back on Saturday Night Live, back in the day, he played a character named... Father Guido Sarducci, a, uh, I think, he, I think he's a, uh, I don't know if he's Catholic or Jewish, but he's, look it up. It's interesting. Okay. He actually reprised this role in a lot of different shows as cameos. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline Obradors was the voice of Audrey, and she played Detective Rita Ortiz in NYPD Blue. Oh, Okay. Florence Stanley played Mrs. Packard, mm-hmm. and she was a waitress in a Goofy movie. Yes. David Ogden Stars was Mr. Harcourt, and he played Governor Ratcliffe and Wiggins in Pocahontas. Natalie Strom was the voice of the young kids, and do you remember a TV show called The Zeta Project that's technically part of the DC animated universe? Yes. Or that Bruce Timm made? Yes. Well, on that, she played a character named Kid Gloria. And that is her only other credit. Really? Yes. Cree Summer was the voice of Princess Kida. Mm-hmm. And on the television series Codename Kids Next Door, she was the voice of number five. Hmm. Okay, uh, like, just for one second, can you pronounce her entire name? Kida's full name. I didn't, don't have her full name listed in here. <laughs> I just have what imdb listed it as all right never mind i'm just i'm I'm giving you a hard time okay last but not least jim varney was the voice of cookie Mm -hmm. he is most well known for playing the character of ernest p Worrell in many of the ernest movies and as a and as a spokesman in television commercials he played the same character but from an animation point of view we will both know him best as slinky dog in toy story yes And jumping into the Kingdom Hearts connections, we, of course, starting off with Leonard Nimoy, who, of course, was the king here. And in Kingdom Hearts, he played the character of Lord Xehanort, Mm. the first voice of Lord Xehanort. Hmm. I gotcha. Jim Cummings was additional voices here. Of course. And in Kingdom Hearts, he was Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Ed, Pete, Cheshire Cat, and Julius. 
David Ogden Steers, who was Mr. Harcourt here, also played the characters of Dr. Jumba Jakiba, Doc, and Cogsworth. Mm. Oh, okay. And last, and most certainly not least, the uh, Corey Burton, who was Moliere here. Mm-hmm. He is also the voice of Yen Sid, mm-hmm. Ansem the Wise, Zeus, Dale, Claude Frollo, Captain Hook, Magic Mirror, Grumpy, Sark, the Master Control Program, Santa Claus, Shan Yu, and the Peddler in Kingdom Hearts. Wow. He is like, well, I won't say he's half the cast, because that's not half the cast, mm-hmm. but pretty much anybody who needs a authoritarian-sounding voice, he's played, <laughs> that they didn't get somebody uh, big in there. But yeah, that brings me to the end of the Kingdom Hearts Connections. What Excellent. do we got in Info and Stuff? Okay, so Info and Stuff. Let me get there real fast. I'm going through a lot of news. Okay, so Info and Stuff. It is available if you are a subscriber to Disney+. Plus. Indeed. Uh, IMDb, it is a 6.9 out of 10. Production was Walt Disney Pictures, obviously, mm-hmm. and Walt Disney Feature Animation. Distributor was Bonavista Pictures. Release, re- release date was... Uh, its premiere was June 3rd, 2001. It premiered at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, in Hollywood, California, and worldwide to the United States and everybody else on June 15th, 2001. Uh, let's go to box office for fast. Uh, its estimated budget was $120 million. It's opening weekend for the United States and Canada. This is pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, $229,000. It's gross for the United States and Canada combined was $24 million. Now, its world gross did tick that up a little bit uh, with $186 million. But it did not do well in theaters to look at the between its advertising and everything else in between. It didn't make its money back. It was considered a financial failure. All right. So going into home video release, uh, Atlantis, the Los Empire was released on VHS and DVD on January 29th, 2002. Uh, during the first two months, uh, first month of its home release, the film led in VHS sales and was third in the VHS and DVD sales combined. Sales from rentals and rentals of the VHS and DVD combined would eventually go to $157 million in revenue by mid-2003. Uh, Disney digitally remastered and released Atlantis on Blu-ray. On June 11, 2011, bundled with its sequel, Atlantis Milo's Return. Speaking of sequels, Atlantis Lost Empire was meant to provide a springboard for an animated series, which was supposed to be entitled Team Atlantis, which was to present a further adventure of its characters. However, because the film underperformed at the box office, the series was not produced. In two thousand and in, no, in two thousand two, on May twentieth, Disney released a direct-to-video sequel called Ed, Atlantis: Milo's Return. Uh, consisted of the first three episodes of the abandoned series, and they had a video game. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, I saw that in the credits. Yes, 
A CD-ROM game, specifically. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I have for information. And apparently they were, they, like Disney, Disney and any other corporation, multi-million dollar, billion dollar corporation, they were planning to make a ride out of Atlantis, but due to its financial flop, they decided against it because it was going to go somewhere else. But Which is sad because they actually, in preparation for that, as I saw down there, uh, tore up the, uh, uh, what is the name of that ride? The Fantastic Voyage? Yeah. Is that the name of it? Yeah. They actually tore that ride up because they were going to do some upgrades to make it you know, set up for Atlantis. Yeah. And I don't know if they, I assume they must have, you know, just finished upgrading it and kept the fantastic voyage theming instead. But I yeah. don't know this for certain. Yeah. Cause they, 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 cause, uh, what was it? That same year, uh, finding Nemo actually came out very close to this. Yeah. And so they just, they, they probably just, just put the finding Nemo characters. Yeah. In there that's what they did. That'd be just as easy. Yeah. Uh, getting into the summary right quick. A mysterious explosion sends a tsunami towards the city of Atlantis. During the evacuation, the queen of Atlantis is lifted up into a strange floating crystal, leaving behind her distraught daughter, Kida. The crystal merges with the queen and creates a dome, preserving the city's innermost district, and Atlantis sinks beneath the waves. Nearly 8,000 years later, in 1914, Milo Thatch, a marginalized linguist at the Smithsonian Institution discovers the existence of the Shepherd's Journal, a manuscript containing directions to Atlantis. After Milo's proposal to search for the journal is rejected by the museum board, a mysterious woman, Helga Sinclair, introduces Milo to Preston B. Whitmore, an eccentric millionaire. Will Whitmore has already funded a successful effort to retrieve the journal as repayment of a debt to Milo's late grandfather and recruits Milo to decipher the journal and join an expedition to Atlantis. The expedition is headed by Commander Rourke, who also led the journal recovery expedition. The crew includes Helga, Vinny, a demolitions expert, Moliere, a geologist, Dr. Sweet, medical officer, Audrey, a mechanic, Mrs. Packard, a radio operator, Cookie, a chuck wagon chef, and several trained soldiers. They set out in the massive submarine Ulysses, but are attacked by a me me mechanical leviathan that guards Atlantis's entrance. The Ulysses is destroyed, leaving only a handful of survivors. Following the journal's instructions, they enter a cavern and travel through a dormant volcano where they are met by Kida, miraculously still alive and young. She and the other Atlanteans have forgotten their written language, and the society has languished but they can understand English due to spoken Atlantean being the basis for many modern languages. Against her father's wishes, Kida enlists Milo to help Atlantis regain its old glory and leads him to an underwater mural of the sunken part of the city. Milo learns that the mural that the heart of Atlantis provides the people there with longevity and once powered their devices via smaller crystals they all wear. He discovers a page of the journal, which also contained this information, is missing. Returning to the surface, he is confronted by Rourke, who reveals he has the missing page, revealing he is planning to steal the heart and sell it at a high price. Callously not caring that about the, about the Atlantean's fate. He and his crew capture Milo and Kida 
and Rourke mortally wounds the King of Atlantis, demanding to know where the heart is. However, he eventually finds it himself beneath the palace. The giant crystal, sensing a threat, merges with Kida, and Rourke puts her in a crate, intending to sell her at the surface. Milo sarcastically congratulates his friends, which causes them to reconsider, knowing that they don't want to be responsible for the death of the innocent people. Rourke, Helga, and the soldiers leave the rest behind and start for the surface, putting Atlantis and the, and the citizens in danger. The dying king gives Milo his own crystal and explains he once attempted to create weapons from the heart, causing the past explosion and the fate of his wife. He also explains the crystal must have a royal host when the city is in danger and begs Milo to save Atlantis and Kida. Milo and his friends rally the Atlanteans to reactivate their machinery and pursue and attack the mercenaries. Rourke and Helga have a falling out during the battle, and he throws her into the dormant volcano. As she dies, she shoots the airship containing Kida's crate. Milo and Rourke fight on the burning airship over the heart, and Milo slashes Rourke with a crystal-charged shard of glass, turning Rourke into a living crystal statue, which is shattered by the airship's propellers. The burning airship crash lands and awakens the volcano. Milo and the rest flee back to Atlantis with Kida, who still merged with the crystal, rises into the sky and awakens ancient stone guardians who raise the flooded portion of Atlantis into the dome and protect the entire city from the lava flow. The crystal then returns Kida alive to Milo. Milo elects to stay in Atlantis with Kida, with whom he has fallen in love, and the rest return to the surface, promising to keep their adventure secret to preserve Atlantis' safety. Whitmore alone learns the truth from photographs taken by Mrs. Packard. Getting into the trivia for this, the filmmakers noted that the vast majority of their research about Atlantis was primarily done through the internet. Sifting through all this information they could find, both plausible and fictitious, to pick out what would be would work to facilitate the story they were telling, as well as the mythology and world building they were creating. For the visual design, directors the directors immediately did not want Atlantis to be heavily influenced by the commonly used Greek look. Art director Dave Goetz noted that as part of the desire to illustrate the Atlantean civilization as being the quote-unquote mother culture of all of the civilizations on Earth, they looked into the unusual architectural designs used in Southeast Asia, notably Cambodia, as well as the Mayan architecture found in South America. Further refinements were done in an effort to emulate the style of production designer Mike Mignola. The core productions team took a trip to Carlsbad Caverns National Park in southeastern New Mexico during the pre-production stages of the film. This was done for, a res done for research to get a better feel of what it's like to live underground. It also provided inspiration toward the development of the caverns the Whitmore expedition journeys through towards Atlantis. Mark Okrand, who created the Atlantean language, also created the Vulcan and Klingon languages mm -hmm. for the Star Trek franchise. Jim Varney, who played Cookie, died just before finishing the film. The I ain't so good at speechifying line near the end is the only line not spoken by Varney. Stephen Barr did the voice for that scene. Mm -hmm. Because the movie was planned out as an action adventure, the production crew wore t-shirts during production to work that read Atlantis. Fewer songs, more explosions. Indeed. The written Atlantean language is to be read left to right, drop down a line, and right to left, continuing the cycle 
It was done to create a flowing water-like movement reminiscent of the Atlantean culture. Hmm. During the campfire scene, Milo comments that the shepherd's journal cuts off like there's a page missing. Plato's narrative about Atlantis, which I mm-hmm. failed to mention this is somewhat based on, yes. uh, the oldest in written account, cuts off mid-sentence because the rest of the manuscript has been lost. Mm-hmm. After Milo gets seasick on the first ship, his line, carrots, why are there always carrots? I didn't even eat carrots, was ad-libbed by Michael J. Fox, mm-hmm. who is allergic to carrots. Ah. This is one of the last Disney films to feature a character that smokes. Yes. Mike Mignola. Mign- how do you say his name? Mike Mignola. Mignola. Mm-hmm. Mike Mignola, creator of the Hellboy comic books, uh, provided many initial production sketches for the film. Mignola was initially contracted by Disney representative asking if he would work on the project. Mignola's first response was, how did you get my phone number? <laughs> uh, Milo Fatch is the first male hero in a full-length Disney animated film to wear glasses. Mm-hmm. The fish in Whitmore's aquarium are cephalacanths. The, the cephalacanth mm-hmm. is a sort of living fossil and that they were thought to be extinct until specimens were caught in the 1930s, mm-hmm. around 20 years after this film is set. Yeah. Then he mentions that after he opens to the flower shop, he'll probably take August off. There's a long-standing tradition in Italian culture that businesses close for the entire month of August, so the owner and the, their employees and their families can take an extended vacation. Huh. That's going to be nice. Yeah. When the surface dwellers first meet the Atlanteans, the Atlanteans address them in French, Spanish, Italian, Hebrew, German, Greek, Chinese, and Taiwanese. Milo speaks to them in Atlantean, Latin, and French. At the beginning of the movie, Milo references the book of Job, Mm-hmm. When describing the Leviathan, the specific verse he paraphrases mm-hmm. are Job chapter 41, verses 18 and 19. However, because I believe in context, here is all of Job chapter 41. Can you draw out Leviathan with a fishhook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you in soft words? Will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever? Will, he, will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Will traitors bargain over him? Will they divide him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, the hope of man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me? Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole of heaven is mine. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his goodly frame. Who can strip off his outer garment? Who could come near him with a bridle? Who can open the doors of his face around his teeth is terror. His back is made of rows of shields shut up closely as with a seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezings flash forth light and his eyes are like the eyelids of the dawn. One of his, out of his mouth go flaming torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils comes forth smoke as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. 
His breath kindles coals, and a flame comes forth from his mouth. In his neck abides strength, and terror dances before him. The folds of his flesh stick together, firmly cast on him, and immovable. His heart is hard as a stone, hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. At the crashing, they are beside themselves. Though the sword reaches him, it does not avail, nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He counts iron as straw and bronze as rotted wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. For him, uh, for him, sling stones are turned to stubble. Clubs are counted as stubble. He laughs at the rattle of javelins. His underparts are like sharp potsherds. He spreads himself like a threshing sledge on the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him he leaves a shining wake. One would think the deep to be white-haired. On the uh, on the earth there is not his like, a creature without fear. He sees everything that is high. He is king over the sons of pride. And that is the actual biblical description of Leviathan that is supposed to be the mechanical Leviathan we see that destroys the uh, main ship. Yes. Just thought I'd put that out there because that's a lot more... A lot better description of who Leviathan is than what Milo gave us. Yes. And there's also some people definitely that think Leviathan was a dinosaur. It could be the Loch Ness Monster for all we really know. Exactly. All I know is it was probably heading out in the heading. Hanging out in the Mediterranean for a lot of a lot of the time. Probably. Which kind of tells me that's actually where they are in the movie is somewhere in the Mediterranean Sea. But I don't know that for certain because they never say. Yeah. But anyway. Well, it would make sense ge- geographically. For Plato to know about it, yeah. Yeah. And what most of the what we know of history was in the Mediterranean Sea. Exactly. It's not too far away from the Fertile Crescent. Exactly. Which is where Eden's supposed to be. But anyway. Yes. Uh, now that I have read from the holy book, why <laughs> don't you tell us your first like for this movie? My first like, uh, it's such a, this is one of the first Disney films to actually do more of a diverse cast or yeah. cast of characters, mind you. Like you have uh, Dr. Sweet, you have, uh, what's the uh, the engineer's name? Um, Audrey. Audrey, thank you. And but like you have all this like uh, collaborative bunch of people, bunch of characters that are so unique and dynamic. You have Mole. You have you have uh, the the cook. You have the radio operator. Which there again, I am terrible with names. People, I'd apologize for that. Well, in your defense, they barely give you any time to put name to face in this movie that is true they do for all these characters that is so true outside of milo and Keita and rourke mm-hmm. yes i would agree with you on that um yeah it's just like the cast is so different because uh during the commentary they were they were talking about like the the fact to be like how diverse the ca- the uh, characters are and they just thought it was like, hey, this is this is a good opportunity to put in a uh, an African American character, or um, 
and like using different you know diver- yeah. you know diversities and well, and- I mean it makes a lot of sense that you would not necessarily if you're putting together an expedition mm-hmm. best of the best money's no ob- no uh, obstruction yeah you would hire the best people available for the job no matter what race or gender they are exactly and I, I thought just definitely when this was set, this was set in 19... 1914. Yeah, 1914, right, right at the start of World War II. And like, World just, War One. World War One. I apologize. I, you, I, I'm, the history, amateur yes, history nerd, should yes, know I, I, I that's lost, World I, War One. That's World War One. I apologize. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm using, I'm losing nerd creds here <laughs> for saying that. But either way... Uh, yeah, it's the fact to be like, you know, this is set in 1914. Like you said before, it was set right at the beginning of World War One. You know, that the idea of like hiring someone who is a, a different skin tone or ethnic or a woman yeah. during 1914 was like unheard of. But I mean, like, I, I find it just very pleasing to the eye. Pleasing to the eye when they so like, oh, okay, let's let's use the, the best assets that we can. The best people, the best engineers, the best medics, what have you, yeah, to you know get the job done. And the fact that uh, Doctor Sweets be like he's half African American, half Native American. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, oh, yeah. really? <laughs> and so I, I, I like the uh, diversity of the cast, and uh, I think it was a really good idea for Disney to do that, and mm-hmm. they've they've continued to do that, and uh, it's be like using using more of the the color pattern which God has created. Yes. I thought that was very unique. They did that. What well, is your and Thankfully they, it's not forced. No, it's not It's very easy to force that diversity where it feels forced. Oh, absolutely. And even if you are doing it intentionally picking these, uh, I, I like that. It feels like, yeah, this is a natural pick for this. Cause this is the best, the best of the best. Yeah. It says doesn't matter who they are other than that. Mm hmm. But yeah, I'm actually going to jump off that and say that I love the large cast of fully realized characters. Agreed. Agreed. Even though we don't get to spend as much time with these characters as I would like. Yes. More on that later. um, You can tell they thought through the backgrounds. They did. Of all these characters. They were all, they all had their strengths, their weaknesses, their, what they were great at with their, their foibles, everything that, you know, they were three dimensional characters in many ways. Uh, and I like, I, I, I liked that we actually, they actually went to that much trouble. I wish, mm-hmm. I so wish that they could have put more, uh, more of these characters in the movie mm-hmm. and have more moments with them. We've got a couple of them, but in a lot of cases it's all, uh, we've got this character and we've got this joke that only works with this character. So that's why this is in here. Mm-hmm. Agreed. There's very, we get a little bit of their backstories uh, right before the fireflies catch everything on fire, uh-huh. but we don't really get. Uh, so at least we have that. The, the they are fully realized mm-hmm. in that way. I don't want to jump too much because I'm going to into my dislike because this is going to come back up. Okay. Spoilers. But uh, yeah, I like that they're fully realized three dimensional characters. Awesome. What's your second like? Uh, my second like would be uh, speaking of Atlantis, uh, the idea of they fully developed the world of Atlantis down to the language, down to the clothing, down to the architecture. It'd be like they really 
went into depth of how, um, how everything works in this, you know, this world and this, this, um, this geosphere of a world. And I, I found that incredibly, it's like looking at the fact that they, they, like you said before, they use Mayan, they use, uh, Aztec, they use all these, uh, different diverse ideas of culture and didn't want to go with like what you said earlier of typically using the, the Greek idea, the mm-hmm. Greek idea. They, they did, they did use what Homer. Yeah. Homer wrote this, correct? Plato, Plato. I'm apologize. Plato. There again, I'm, I'm losing points here. Uh, Plato, his description of land is as being a, a circular, uh, country. Mm-hmm. on the water uh, I thought that was very okay they, they kept that core they kept that idea of what Atlantis looked like according to Plato and then just kind of give and take what you said before of taking the different myths and the ideas and the uh, the theories of what Atlantis was and just made it this fleshed out world mm-hmm. that was living and breathing and um had basically a heartbeat to it yeah and it was so unique how they did that and i love that part and it's just it's so unique so it's like so unique they actually went and just the world building was so incredible the fact that they made a language yeah and i think one of the uh extra features on the dvd and i'm hoping to get over the get a hold of the blu-ray at some point and uh, to actually hear someone actually try to teach you how to speak Atlantean, which is like, mm-hmm. wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, guys, just wait for Saturday when it, when it comes out on um, the, the podcast, you're going to get a real treat on that one. Yeah. <laughs> at the very least, look at the album art. Yeah, in exactly. Fact, in fact, I'm doing the trivia. I realize I've got to fix it now. Ah. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. So- uh yeah, just the world the world building definitely for Atlantis is just incredible. And definitely they said it during 1914. That's mm-hmm. awesome. They they, they they never nah. They never speak of World War World War One, the great the Great War. Um which I find kind of odd because that well, was Well, they did men- when Milo is yelling at Rourke, he does mention, I bet you're gonna go and sell it to the Kaiser. That does that there is that line. They they do speak of the world as general. Yes, but these he's going to sell it to the Kaiser, Kaiser, which should have been the head of Germany. No, Russia. That would be the Tsar. Yes, they say Kaiser. Oh, not they say Tsar. There again, I'm losing same point. root word. Yes, because it's still based on Caesar. Yes, but... I yes, there again, I'm losing points left and right here, people. Help! <laughs> <laughs> the Kaiser, as in the 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 Russian Kaiser. Or German. German. Just shoot me now. <laughs> Either way, I'm saying that jokingly. Yes. Uh, uh, continue. Well, I have a question for you. What's that? Did you look at my notes? No, I didn't. Because I have a feeling our third is going to come out the same, too. Because our second, our first two technically have. Okay. Because... Well, I had it in a different order, but just to keep everything uh-huh. neat and organized in the show, uh, I'm going to say how well thought out the Atlantean culture is. Really? Yes, the architecture, like you were saying, based mm-hmm. off all these other things, but there is very good world building in how 
the the heart powers everything and how yes. it all comes together. I mean, I caught that they were on that the the giant robot thing long before they ever brought it up because yes. there's that one scene where you know they they climb to the to the head of you know the mountains of Milo and Kita can look out mm-hmm. over all of Atlantis and I'm going you're on top of the iron giant I think you're top of a golem <laughs> yeah it's like I bet you he's gonna pop back up at the end of this film oh yeah it's good storytelling he, he does um but yeah the uh the way everything looks the fact that you know the minute you see the crystal hanging around her neck, mm-hmm. you immediately place that's the same color blue. Mm-hmm. That's not, they, they, the, the same color blue that the, uh, that enveloped her mother earlier yeah. in the thing. It's like mm-hmm. they did a very good job of only letting you see this mm-hmm. shade of blue. Yes. To uh, let you know that this is the power of the Atlant- Atlantean culture. Yes. And I appreciated the fact that they went to that much trouble to, you know, keep everything consistent because it, it gave a very visual a, a language to the film mm-hmm. in that in that instance. So, yeah. Yeah. Good point. And you can now I I'll bring up some things later about how they kind of messed up with the Atlantean culture. But OK, we'll get to there. We'll get there when we get there. All right. So what's your third like? <laughs> All right. Let's see if you stole mine here too. Maybe. All right. So. Kita. <laughs> okay. We did at least separate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So being a, being a child from the nineties or uh, be growing up in the nineties, growing up in the nineties, uh, As a cartoon character, as a cartoon character, let me get that the bases out there down. Growing up, the the two characters I thought were the the prettiest characters I ever met. They were just like, oh wow, she is so hot. <laughs> Was Princess Jasmine <laughs> and Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, just being a red blooded male who loves the opposite sex and apparently has a thing for scantily clad women. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just putting, I'm, yeah, yes, yes. I'm I, I looking at I, who you pick. Here. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. Also, I did like, I did like her. Let's say that. <laughs> well, <who wouldn't? laughs> exactly. Either way, be like, uh, Kita's design is like very well done. Uh, it's like, wow. It's like, okay, Disney went there again. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, look, look at uh, your, your female, your adult female characters. Let's use that because Audrey is very much a child. She's very much a kid. Yeah. Well, I mean, her clothes are literally too big for her. Yeah. Agreed. In every shot. Yeah. Every shot. <laughs> but then you have all the adult women, like including your uh, villainess mm-hmm. is like, when you first see her, it's like, whoa okay they went there well i mean that first (laughs) shot is very much the noir yes she uh she was in my office when i arrived exactly uh, she had a case for me she looked like a hundred uh a hundred road a hundred miles of road work cleaned up nice or something (laughs) like that (laughs) 
yeah, it's just like the design work, how they how they did uh, Kita, and honestly, I can't remember her name. <laughs> but either way, either way, it's just like the, the how they drew the female characters, and some might say, well, that's sexist and all that. It's like, no, they just drew them very well, and they're very physically appealing. <laughs> um and I just I enjoy that part. It's like wow, they they to to quote Milo. It's like I see pretty girl. I mean, I swim pretty good. <laughs> yes, All right, you're you're referring to Kita Gakash and Nadak. Exactly. That try saying that four times twice, <laughs> four times in a row. Kita Gakash. I can't even do it once. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for my point. But it's just more. It's the, the how they did the uh the adult female characters they they gave them very much like you said noir kind of it's like oh okay like she said in my office and it's like whoa okay she came out of nowhere like a james bond girl or something like that it's just like they it's like design wise incredible i'm like whoa okay this is a disney film and i'm like okay i haven't seen anything like this since aladdin mm-hmm. and it's like wow and I'm being honest. I'm being a guy here. It's like, wow, that was interesting. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. I'm I'm being honest here and being transparent. It was like, wow, I like the design of this character. Really cool. So it's my third. My number three is the beautiful use of CG animation in this film. Agreed. I mean, this is at, and we're at the tail end of. Uh, the 2D animation uh, thing where there was a, when they use 3D animation, it's painfully obvious. Yes. Like, but here it's done a lot better. The, uh, the ships that they, the Atlantean vessels Mm -hmm. look uh, amazing. The, all the, uh, their uh, mining, and all the trucks and the, the, the driller oh, yeah. and the giant submarine look spot on. Yes. And let, let's get right down to it. The scene at the heart where yes. you've got the energy thing and the giant faces mm-hmm. of the past kings. Yes. All of that, especially after she takes on, you know, she gets, you know, inhabited by the crystal mm-hmm. and they fall down around oh, yeah. her. And it's like, and you know, that scene had to have been done fully in 3d animation software. Oh yeah. Or at least the pullout and maybe her, um, body was to what was the, the 2d cell animation yeah. or the equivalent of that in the cap system. Cause yeah. this is still very much a cap system. Film. Yes. Um, you can tell that is there, but I mean, for them, there's so much, uh, depth, in this film. Yes. And they use the 3D so well. It's amazing what they were able to do with it. So, yeah. My number three is the beautiful use of the CG animation. I would agree. And to kind of, you know, bounce off your point, there's the scene where the uh, the the submarine is descending. Mm-hmm. And you get this amazing shot where Milo's on the, on the, uh, the bridge, on the deck. Yeah. And uh, you get him. He is traditionally drawn in traditional animation. Mm-hmm. And everything else around is purely CG. Yeah. And it's just like seamless. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, okay, Milo's... The only, tradition- re- the only reason we know it's 3D yeah. is because you can't do a shot like that in 2D. No. Not you, the way they did it. Not the way they did it. 
And you, I've seen some, some when they've tried it, like with, uh, like way back when we reviewed Wacko's Wish, you had that scene where the camera went around Pinky and the Brain's um, Da Vinci helicopter. Yeah. And you can tell where they cheated. Yeah. To make it go around there because it's a three-dimensional object. This, no, no, you've got the whole, mm, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I think of a, a movie like this that. This is how you should be using CG in a 2D film. Agreed. The I think the the best if you were to go back to original 2D animation, the the movie that reminds me of how like the best use of traditional animation would be Redline, the mm-hmm. anime. And just be like it's all hand, it's all hand drawn and you have some like amazing points where you're that yeah, a three D, a three, a three dimensional shot of a vehicle, and it's done beautifully, and it's all done hand hand drawn with a little bit of animation, uh, uh, help. Words are failing me today. Let's say I that. I can tell. <laughs> I'm fumbling all over the place. I can't. I can't catch the ball. But um, wait, squirrel. <laughs> um, either way, it's like. The animation in this movie is very gorgeous, very lush. Let's say that for 2001, it's done very well. Mm-hmm, I agree. And it still holds up. Now, granted, someone who watched this for the first time be like, that's not good animation. But to think 2001, that's really good animation. Oh, yeah. So let's get into our dislikes. All right. If you don't mind, I want to go first. Go for so it. So I can maybe grab a few dislikes before you steal them. <laughs> Uh, I wish we got more time with these characters. Agreed. They are, th- these characters are so very well realized and we spend almost no time with them. Yeah. N- none of the time we, it, the movie feels like it's about 30 minutes too short. Yeah. And if we'd gotten an extra 30 minutes, we could have had more time, not just with, uh, our crew yeah. of the ship, but also uh, give us more time with Milo and Kida's relationship. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably this only takes place. They're only down there for like maybe what? Two, three days. Roughly so one day because they only had, they were only allowed to stay for a night before they went back. So that's when half this movie would have had to have occurred was in that one night. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very quick, uh, turnaround, turnaround. But if we'd have gotten more time, both with their relationship and letting us get to, uh, spend more time with the crew. Yeah. We, I feel the movie could have been just so much better. Yeah. I completely, so yeah, I completely my, agree with you on that's that. That's my first dislike. All right. Uh, mine is more of a question than anything. All right. So when it comes to the heart, the crystal, the power source. Yes. Okay. So we see that the, the father, the king, the current king, Leonard uh, Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy, uh, uh, Kita's father, mm-hmm. like he has aged very much over the three to four thousand years, eight thousand years, eight thousand years. My part, my my apologies, eight thousand years. Believe me, I know it's eight thousand because this is going to start making up part of my second. <laughs> it's like okay, so Kita's father, Leonard Nimoy, has is a very old man now, blind. Yes, <laughs> so. Kita looks like she's probably like a late adult, maybe late, like she, er, early adult, late teens. She looks to be about the same age as Lilo's sister in Lilo and Stitch. Yes. Someone who's like 19, 20 years old, maybe younger. 
I was thinking closer to like 25. Something like that. In terms of development. Uh, I mean, in reality, she's like 8,012. Yeah, exactly. She's very old. I'm like, wow. Either the, either the heart makes them be like they're, they're a, they're wrapped their age. Like, well, they, they do say that they're, that it does. The crystal does help in their immortality. Yeah. I agree. Keeping them alive. Yes. More on that in a second. Yes. (laughs) But it's more along the lines of like, Okay, and so apparently, I know Milo says it to uh, Thatch, not Thatch, the 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 ca- the captain, the colonel, Rourke. Rourke. Thank you. There again, I am terrible with names, people. Uh, Rourke, they'd be like, if you do this, we're taking their their power source, their life, their life essence. Be like, they'll die. Yeah. And so, like, their entire life force is connected to the heart. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting. The, the fact be like, well, there again, it is ancestor worship and uh, it'd be like their, 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 their very essence, their, their, their key to survival is the, the ancestors in giving them life. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting, but at the same time, it's like, uh, that's more problematic than anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, the exact same situation that, um, uh, you know, evil bad guy comes and steals it and gets away with it. Then everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. I wonder where. Yes. In fact, since you went ahead and I assume you're, that pretty much ends your point. Pretty much. I'm going to jump ahead to, my, to the point I actually had after my number two. Okay. And talk about how you can see the ending of this film come a mile away. Yes, you can. I mean, the minute you're introduced to Rourke, it's mm. like, you're the villain. Yep. And uh, oh, the the hot chick that that she's obviously the villain. It, He's second was, command. Yeah, second command. It was almost to the point where since she was introducing Milo to Whitmire, yes, it made me wonder: is Whitmire a villain too? What yeah. is his role in all this? Does he know what these guys are doing with this, mm-hmm. or are they putting one over on him? It's that's never explained. Yeah, but I mean, it's. Uh, This ending comes just so quickly, but you know it's you know that's how it's going to end because they're going to get down to the civilization. Mm-hmm. The civilization's got all this magic that's going to help the surface world. We obviously can't let them keep it, mm-hmm. so we've got to bring it to the surface world. The only thing that throws it into uh, uh, like throws a kink into the normal story is that the crystal inhabits Kida, mm-hmm. and now they're technically not only stealing this power source but they're also now stealing milo's girlfriend pretty much giving him two reasons to want to go after war yes <laughs> um it's just very very predictable uh it feels kind of indiana jones-esque yeah 19 1914 yeah, I mean, style of storytelling in some ways this kind of feels like uh a temple of doom actually yeah it does in some ways and so you the 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 heroes of the film have to help the natives remember who they are more on that in a second (laughs) yeah and uh yeah go after this guy so that they so that the the ancient culture can remain the way it was I don't, this is so predictable. I don't know why this is the route we decided to go. 
Yeah. But yeah, it's it's still it's still a fun sword, but it's very predictable. But like you 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 see it projected out very far away. It's like oh okay, yeah, here's your villains. If, if you've never seen this kind of story before, maybe you wouldn't know about this trope. Yeah, but I've seen so many adventure stories, including all three Indi- Indiana Jones films. Not counting the fourth. I didn't say there was a fourth. <laughs> yeah, what fourth film? Exactly. There's no fourth film. There's but it's, a, now, Steven Spielberg did direct a fan film, ironically. <laughs> but there's no official fourth film. Okay. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. If uh, Retro Rewind is listening, you're welcome. Uh, but I mean, I've seen these kind of stories before, so I see the trope coming. And yes. Like, they didn't even do anything interesting with the trope to make it worth going that direction, at least to me. Yes. Uh, And maybe that's because we were kind of setting up for whatever the TV show was going to be. Yeah. Since they were to some degree thinking that far ahead. Yeah. They were, they were definitely teeing it up. Right. This very much feels like a very high, in some ways this feels like a high production pilot of a TV show. Well, totally. The second movie's on. But you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's It's a setup. We're setting this up here because we know we want to do a TV show. Yeah. So we're going to do all the world building here with the exception that that world building will also pay off mm-hmm. in the TV show that never came. Exactly. Sad. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, it's just you can see the ending coming and that's what I don't like. But anyway. What's yeah. Your My, mine, it's, it's, it's in that same vein. In that same vein that... The um, you can you'd be like you you know the villains like just right off the bat. It's it's no yeah. it's it's not a uh, a frozen reveal that Hans the bad guy, which throws you off because there again it does have that same vein of you know Indiana Jones nineteen thirties nineteen twenties nineteen adventure story adventure story which is a good type of storytelling, but it's so it's been so overused that people like us, like anybody who loves mm-hmm. movies, it'd be like, you see it a mile away. It's okay. Rourke's your villain. But like before you meet the guy. And how do you know Rourke's the villain? He's the military type. Yeah. Not saying the military is bad. No, but it's that's just, how the, that's how, that's how the, it typically works. That's how the trope goes. Exactly. Like, the military type, they're only down here to steal the weapon of ancient power to use against their enemies exactly. or sell to the highest bidder. Bitter. Exactly. That's just how it works. I'm exactly. not saying this is how military people would think. No, in reality, not. but this is the trope we're going with. Yeah, it's very much the very like there again. They're like tropes are there for design for purpose, right? And I, there's no, I have nothing against the use of tropes, exactly. But I want tropes to be used in a way that helps the story, does not hurt the story to where. I, I, I'm somewhat checked out on, on yeah. who this villain is. I didn't even care about Rourke. No, exactly. This film. Yeah. Because I knew he was the villain. And I knew the other, the, the uh, second in command was his second in command yeah. in terms of villainy. And I kind of knew the rest of the gang was initially going to be on his side. Yeah. But then Milo's heartfelt speech <laughs> about how we should not allow these people to die. How can you people feel this way? You condemned these people. It's going to turn them around. Exactly. They're going to come and hang out. And then somehow after the bridge, the bridge, after the bridge is blown up. Yes. They're going to somehow find a way across so they can go Mm -hmm. and stop the hot air balloon 
taking them all the way back to the surface of the planet of the mm-hmm. world. Unconnected, but I've just realized a small logistical flaw in that plan. Okay. Wasn't there still like water? Oh, they were going up the volcano. Never mind. Yes, they were going. Up Never the mind. They're going up the volcano. Yes. Never mind. All right. So mine is the very much stereotypical. Here's your villain. You see the villain coming a mile away, and it's just like, couldn't you have done something a little differently? Like, Played yeah, the trope a little. Yeah. Yeah, change it up a little bit, or but it is what it is. There again, it's kind of it's a it's a very much a big gripe about the film, but oh yeah, I enjoyed it. It was just more okay. <clears throat> Even seeing the guy on his his uh. You know, just when you first see the character, even just in a picture, all you see is half his face. It's and like, oh yeah, he's the villain. He's the villain. Plain and simple. <laughs> he looks like the vice principal of a middle school. He does. So he obviously is the villain. I don't know why I make that connection <laughs> okay. other than teen movies of the 80s. <laughs> that's a good point. That's probably, very, very good that's probably point. probably the closest I can get there. Agreed. Or um, Principal Strickland from Back to the Future. Yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Either way, so that's that's my first, dis- my second dislike. What's your my third dislike? Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, we know for certain at the beginning of this movie mm-hmm. that the king and Kida survive. Yes, these are the same king and Kida that we see in 1914. Yes, so logically. One can ascertain that not only are these all, n- not just the descendants yes. of the people lost, der- of the people who were in the city of Atlantis as it sank, but these are also the same people who were uh, saved by the shield when the city of Atlantis sank. Mm-hmm. Why then don't they know how to use the technology? In 8,000 years later, uh-huh. when if they're the same people and don't know their own written language, 8,000 years later, when they're the same people, are you telling me that they quit writing stuff down? That they forgot how the crystals around their neck work? I mean, this would work if these were, if this were like, 20, 30 generations down the line. Okay, yeah. I understand how they don't know how the, the, their written language worked. Yeah. Or how these ancient machines worked. But they're acting, and that's how they act. Mm-hmm. When they literally, a li- good portion of the people there are either the one generation down descendant or the generation that was there when the city sank. Some of the pilots of the ships that are there or should be in the city and know how to pilot their own ships. Shouldn't they? Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. But at the what same happened, does prolonged exposure to the Atlantean crystal make you stupid? <laughs> I don't know. It's not explained. It's like, how do you forget? I, I know. I understand the concept of you use it or you lose it. Yeah. So I understand that perhaps they did not see a reason to fly uh, when they didn't have to go that far for food or anything since they were stuck in this cavern. Right. But at the same time, 
they're flying around the cavern in the ships they just remembered at best how to operate like there's like there's like, like of course we should have been doing this all along <laughs> what are you people what's wrong with you people how do you forget how to write or not just write, how to read your own language that you were reading before the city sank and you were the same people who were there when the city sank. Except for maybe your children who may have grown up to the point where they're key to age. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> I, I see you. Was the language only allowed to be read by the nobles and the nobles all died off or didn't make it into the shield in time except for Kida? But then Kida didn't know how to do it either and the king apparently doesn't want to teach anybody how to read despite the fact that when it sank he would have still been young enough that he would not that he would have been able to, you know, yes. teach his own daughter how to read the language? <laughs> Maybe he's doing that because He's trying to keep Kita safe, so that's why he hid the stuff down, the, the crystal down in the center of the city anyway. Yeah. So maybe he's not taught them so they won't put all these very obvious clues together in order to get down there. But at the same time, it's like, there has to be other reasons why you would know how to read other than we got to know how to get to the mural, mural work so we can get down to the energy crystal. There's got to be other reasons. Like, you've got to put... I don't know. Do you not have any books of literature <laughs> or scrolls of literature or anything? Yeah. I mean, if you don't know how to read, sure. I can now understand why you did. You may have not taught the, the ones you didn't teach how to work the ships may not know how to work the ships. At the same time, what are you telling them the crystals for in the first place? Where is the logic in this situation? <laughs> so it's something that annoyed me the whole movie because it's like, okay, yeah, they're an advanced civilization. They were advanced civilization before they fell. Yeah, there might be some regression just because, you know, cultures change. But in order for culture to change, the people in the culture have to be different than the people who were there when it went under. What's going on here, people? <laughs> How do you... Maybe even the... Here's the thing. If they if the culture has changed so much that they can't read their written language, mm -hmm. then that should mean their spoken language has evolved in such a way, even though it's the same people, but I'm just following the logic here, yeah. that the words should be you know hard to translate, but yet somehow they do know how to read, how to speak... 50 different languages that they've never heard before because they've never been to the surface. Mm. Because okay. okay. If Milo had to do a bunch of research to learn how to read, quote unquote, the mother tongue, mm -hmm. how can they know the descendants of the tongue of the language? Yeah, because at, at that point, if you, if Be you, if you, because there are very large differences as a person who has fought the sub versus dub war in anime, mm -hmm. there are major differences in how the Japanese language works and the English language works. And you're telling me they all came from the same spot and this one culture can somehow speak both 
consistencies. I mean, heck, English is old. English is not even readable by modern English. Speakers. No, it's not. And you're expecting me that this other language, just because it's the root tongue, they now can speak every modern language. There's a lot you're asking me to accept here. <laughs> a lot you're asking me to accept here. Yes. And I'm sorry, I can't. Make them the magic race, all you, the, ma- the magic civilization all you want. There's issues here. Yeah. That just don't work because A, even if I mean, they're the same people who were there when the city went under, so they shouldn't have forgotten half this stuff. Mm-hmm. B, even if they did forget half this stuff, there's no reason they should be able to understand the languages spoken later, the, the 30 or 40 different languages that everybody else spoke. Yes. Especially mm. English. The language that is 30 different languages in a trench coat. <laughs> Masquerading as a single language. Yeah. So, yeah. it's And plus, be like... Just, I, I know it's a movie, and I should, as Elsa would say, let it go. go. Uh-huh. But, 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 but... <laughs> These are the kind of things that mess with me. Logistics mess with me. Yes. When they don't make sense. And for the most part, this is most part logistics. Aren't, don't get this bad, but this is a major logistics nightmare as to how any of this works. Cause it shouldn't. I completely agree. The fact that the, they, they, they put the, the mother language or Atlantean is the basis for everything else. When you look at language as itself, be like, it's there, there are roots, but they're splintered. Yeah. They're splintered off from different things. So the fact to be like, it's one root word. It's like, no, that's not the way language works. No, just because you understand the root word doesn't mean you understand what that word means. I mean, heck just look at the modern English language. Mm -hmm. We have like, uh, what is the word I'm thinking of? Uh, that, we have words that like the word literally no longer just means this is literally what happened. Yeah. It now also means figuratively. And the only way you know the difference is context. Text. Yeah, that's it. How would they know that? Because if that language is true, then that means a hundred and ten and eight years after this, our time, if that mm-hmm. culture's still around, they ought to know why we say literally in, when it's figurative and literally mm-hmm. when it's literal. Yeah. <laughs> Woosa. <laughs> Things, it's, it's, to quote Mr. Spock, it's not logical. All right. And on that note... What is your third dislike? Speaking of Mr. Spock. (laughs) So apparently Captain Spock got it wrong. (laughs) So the, the King, uh, Kate, Kita. Yeah. Kita. Kita's father. Kita's father, the King. Cause they never actually say his, no, they never say his name. Be like, Yes, I understand why he did all the things he because his mother was his wife was absorbed into the heart, the crystal, the power source. And he is afraid that Kita is going to be 
fall the same fate as her mother. Mm-hmm. So he, he like he does all these things in order to protect his precious daughter, but then he sets his own kingdom up for failure. Because when he be like, it seems like he's be like he is banished any like the the learning of the history or anything because there's points where they just don't know what be like it's like yeah we knew this happened but there's no be like like it's it seems to me that the it's it's not mentioned in the movie but it's it's almost applied implied that the king forbid like any understanding of the the heart and understanding of language. That's why they lost their language because the king are apparently, like you said earlier, maybe like the nobles knew the language and the nobles were forbidden from, you know, speaking of it or something like that. That's what it's almost implying in a way, but that still makes no sense. Yeah. It still makes no sense. And like, okay, I understand King you're, you're, you're trying to protect your daughter from the same fate that your wife did, but you're destroying your own culture. For that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I understand you want to keep your daughter safe, but at the same time, you, you have literally your, your mighty kingdom is a husk of what it was before. Yes. Just because you want to protect your daughter from learning the truth. And you are literally living in ruins. Yes, exactly. Just because your daughter you, knows that, then yeah. you ought to be able to notice it. I mean, like, and Kita seems to be a very intelligent young lady and just so like, no, 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 but I can't lose her, which is I mean, like, I'm not a father, but the fact to be like losing a loved one that you like 8,000 years ago, you lost your wife and now you're so afraid that you're going to lose your daughter to the same fate that you're literally condemning your entire, the rest of your culture. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what? <laughs> it's like, like. Leonard Nimoy, yes, amazing. But he does a great job in this role. He does an amazing job in this role. It's just the 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 motivations is the it is a concerned parent that he's gonna lose his daughter. And it just makes no sense. <laughs> like, what? Really? Like, come on, King, step up. <laughs> I mean, like, your your kingdom is crumbling around you, and you're too afraid to lose your daughter over eight thousand years ago. <laughs> Yeah. Come and on, sure, man. You made major mistakes. Yes. Over 8,000 years ago, and that's what caused this trouble to begin with. Supposedly. Supposedly. And now and now he's too make, afraid. And now he's too afraid to make more it's, mistakes. It's been 8,000 years. To quote my good friend Jacob, build yourself a bridge and get over it. <laughs> that's not the, the long not, version that you yeah, say. Yeah, it's a short. But, it's a short. I'm getting to the point here. Yes, you are. <laughs> like Elsa says, let it go. Let, let it, it go. go. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yes. So it's like the, the king in his desire to protect his daughter dooms his own kingdom again. Hey, Exactly, Alpha. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the review, which means we need to rate this thing. Yes. Giving it a 7.5. A 7.5. Okay. It's a good movie. I highly suggest watching it. 
the logistics for me is what knocks it down to this. I can't give it an eight because there's just so many logical leaps and we get to spend so little time with the characters I want to spend time with mm -hmm. that I've got to mark it down just a little bit. So yeah, I'm giving it 7.5. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm still gonna give it an eight. I mean, like I enjoy this movie, even though logically it makes no sense in some cases. And I, I I completely agree with your point that we needed more time with our characters. Uh, I do enjoy the campfire scene. The campfire yes, scenes. Too, I wish we had get, more of that. I wish we had more of that, but I understand we're trying to like crunch down the story and make it more fluid. But, like you lose a lot of you know character buildup in that. Because I mean, you you want to get to the, you know, our main characters. Yeah. I get that. I mean, you could easily split this into two movies or into like a 10 episode first season of a TV show. And yes. It would probably work just as work better. Agreed. Than cramming all this into one, one hour and a half movie. Yeah. Well, uh, there again, they, they were building this up to make a series out of it. And they just never got around to building any of the other characters, which is, it, it's, it's such a, it's a great pitch, but it's executed. Just be like, it goes, be like, it's strike out the very end of it. And we just don't get to like, see these other characters and get to know them better. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they were banking on this being a mega hit for, they can do a sequel and do a TV series and apparently they, they banked on the wrong picture pitch picture, not saying the directors were bad. It was just, no, it's just, they, they tried to do too much at once. Exactly. It's really what I feel the biggest issue with this is, but yeah, yeah. that brings us to the end of this episode, Yes, which means that we need to tell y'all what the next one is. Yes. If I can get it up. Okay. So our next movie is one I have not seen. Mm-hmm. Me either. And it is the fantastic Mr. Fox. I know it's stop motion, mm -hmm. or at least it's implied to be stop motion. Uh, I assume it is. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've not seen it, so I don't know what it's about. You'll find out what we think of it next week, and we give it a review. Yeah. Which makes me ask one very stupid question as we end this episode. What would that be? What does the fox say? <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast. Oh, boy. So where can they find you, Jacob? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. Also on Facebook at Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where I try to draw each and every day. I don't get to it as often as I like, but uh, join me there. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Jacob E. Heron, on Twitter at Jacob Heron, and Letterbox at Jacob Heron. So where can they find you, Drew? You can also follow me on Letterbox at GGeorge759, Facebook as Drew Dodgen, uh, my Facebook page where you can see pictures I've taken at Drew's Photo Bin. You can also follow me on Twitter at GGeorge759. You can email us at the Cellcast Podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cast underscore cell. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Cellcast Gaming. You can also follow us on YouTube at Cellcast. Listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and your favorite podcast directory. You can also listen to us on the Movie of the Week podcast with Jim Heron, where we talk about live-action movies. And remember, Cell is a single, single L. L.